All right, everybody. Hey, welcome to New Life. If you guys would, just go ahead and find a seat. That will be amazing. My name is Jeff Baker. I'm one of the pastors on staff. I want to say welcome to all of you that are guests. Some of you that maybe haven't been here for a while and you're back again. Congratulations, right? You didn't get lost. Right, yeah, absolutely. You know, our 911 calls that went out for it to find you have worked and you're back. And so that's amazing. I want to say hello to all of those that are worshiping with us in the venue right now. The venue's been rocking. Um, it meets down in our gym and uh, they just have a different style of worship. And man, the last, last few weeks have been about 180 people worshiping with us there at the same exact time. So I want to say hello to all of you. Um, today is a mammoth history-making day. You're here to make history today. High-five the person next to you. Come on. I didn't see high-fives. All right. I'm looking up in the balcony. I didn't see everyone high-fiving. All right. That's okay. That's all right. You'll want, you'll wish that you high-fived, and you can't high-five yourself. That doesn't count. All right. There's just something about that that's just not right. Hey, I'm awesome. Hey, I know. You can't, you can't do that. All right? It doesn't work that way. All right? Yeah. You can't do it. Today is a history-making day. Today is the grand opening. It is the first Sunday that our North Platte location is worshiping with us. Yeah! So we want to welcome everybody from North Platte as well that's worshiping with us. It's grand opening. Doors just open. The place looks amazing. We got our campus pastors, Dave and Tiffany, that have been living out there since uh, June. And we're expecting a great turnout. So they get a chance to worship with us live right now at this 1045 time. They are in North Platte worshiping with us. It's an awesome, awesome experience. Now they get uh, the same thing that the venue has. They have all live worship. You know, they've got uh, everybody that's serving in ministry, all their children's ministries and you know, all of the pieces that are required to put together a a church. And then the teaching comes straight from our auditorium here. And that's because we have some, you know, knock the ball out of the park, rock solid, rocket science type of tech people that are up in our booth right now and down in our booth in the venue and out in our booth out in the, uh, the North Platte location. And these guys... They do all the behind-the-scenes work so that the gospel of Jesus Christ can be preached in a powerful way to the masses. And those guys deserve some amazing applause. Yeah. With all their gigabyte and kilobytes and bandwidth and all of that kind of language that they speak, you know. So anyways, I want to thank you guys. It's a great history-making day. Today we get the opportunity to reproduce our DNA here at New Life one more time. And man, we are like proud parents here when you have a, when you have a little baby, right? When a baby's brought into a family, uh, it, I mean, it, there's just there's smiles, right? I mean, everybody's, you turn hardened criminals into goo-goo-ga-ga, right? Has a little baby. So, I mean, babies have a way of warming things up, right? Someone told me uh, this morning, though, that, um, or actually we were kind of sharing, Jerry and I were sharing, I don't remember who said it now, but we were talking about how the fact that you can't have grandchildren unless you have babies. And I was like, wow, that's profound. And then the comment, the next one was, you have to change poopy diapers if you want to be a grandpa sometime. I'm like, I never thought of it that way. So as we grow as a church, we're going to have great moments, and we're going to have moments that we got we to gotta clean up some messes from time to time. That's the price 
of becoming grandparents spiritually and reproducing who we are and planting more churches. The, the gospel of Jesus Christ around the world right now is traveling at a light speed where places are planting churches. Planting churches are finding the, the highest rates of conversion, the highest rate of people finding Jesus, being committed to a relationship with him than any other thing that a church has done um, recently. So that's one of the things that we're really excited about doing. We're reproducing our DNA. You have DNA inside of you, right? Where did that DNA come from? Where did the DNA come from that's inside of you? Okay, good. All right, we started out with God, which technically, that's correct, right? It's the, remember, if a, if a preacher ever asks you a question from the platform, you're, you probably can't go wrong if you come back with the word God, all right? You can't, you can't really go wrong if you come back with that word, but you do need to know today that, yes, God's the one who started it, but you have a little bit of your parents' DNA inside of you. Some of you, you look more like your dad. Some of you look more like your mom, but in the end, you're uniquely you, okay? So uh, I know that maybe you, you might have wanted to look like one parent or another. I, I don't know. You might be like my oldest daughter, Brittany, who got told when she was just a little girl, you're so cute. You look just like your dad. And she ran away, you know, screaming and crying. And <laughs> she was so devastated. She wanted to look like her mom. So it doesn't matter who you look. And, and by the way, I mean, I, I think she should, you know, her mom is, she's hot, if I can say so myself. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just saying, all right? Um, Side note, okay. But in the end, you, don't, you might look like them, but you're uniquely you. And here at New Life, New Life is uniquely new life. We have a DNA here that is like all other Protestant evangelical churches. We have a DNA of doctrine that is rock solid, just like many churches in our community. But we are unique. We do things that other churches don't do. It doesn't make us better than other churches. I want to make that clear and straight right off, right off the bat. You know, just because you have a different DNA than the person sitting next to you doesn't make you better than them. And nor does the DNA that we have here at New Life make us better than any other church. But I will say this to you. We are responsible for the DNA that we've been given. We're responsible to do a lot with it. We're responsible to protect it. It's our duty. It's our mission as people that are here today that would call themselves new lifers. Now, if you're visiting with us and you wouldn't call yourself a new lifer, guess what? You are here on a rock-solid Sunday because you're going to hear this message. You come back next week, you'll hear, you'll hear uh, part two. It goes together that talks about our DNA. If you really kind of want to know what's underneath the surface of this church, you came on a great Sunday. But if you call yourself a new lifer, this is your home church. You're responsible to protect our DNA. You're also responsible to grow it, grow it internally inside of you, who God called us to be so that we can go out into the world and impact it and reach it. And we're also responsible to reproduce it. So like anything that's precious, it requires a tremendous amount of energy, a tremendous amount of time, and a tremendous amount of investment. I mean, just think with me, some companies in the past, some churches in the past that had a DNA they were rock solid. They were growing it. They were doing great things. And then now the doors of that church are closed. Now that business doesn't even exist anymore. What happened? What went wrong? What, what, what caused this you know, dissolve of things that were so great? Because by the way, it could happen to us. 
We, we, are, we are not better than the generations that have come before us. We are human, and inside of us has our own humanity, which has tremendous amount of flaws to it. We are in desperate need of the power of the Holy Spirit to lead and guide our lives. So what happened with these other places? Some few quick analysis. They lost their conviction. They lost, they lost what they were fighting for. They forgot what the essential battle was really all about. When you lose your conviction, your DNA starts to erode and it starts to fall apart. And you start losing everything that you were that was great. They just simply lost heart. It became more about the mechanics. It became more about just, you know, getting the thing done. Less about the heart. Especially when it comes to great churches that have unfortunately closed their doors. When you lose your heart, you've lost everything when it comes to Christ. Church is not about its program. Its programs should help develop the heart. Church isn't about a worship service. Its worship service should help to develop the heart. You see what I mean? It's about our heart. We can't ever lose. We can't lose the fight in our heart. And we can't come to this point where we think that we've arrived. That arrival mentality is so defeating. When you get to the place where you feel like, wow, we have done it. That's the first moment of your death. New life has not arrived. It never has and it never will, just so you know. If you're going, well, what what does it mean to be a healthy, vibrant church? It means striving all the way to the end until you and me are standing before Jesus in heaven, before his throne. That's when you've arrived. But not until then. Until then, we have a mission. We've been called to do something unique, and our church is one of those. We, We can't afford to lose our identity. We have to fight for it we got to maintain our identity and get out there and be bold with it. But be, be bold in a loving way, not in an abrasive way. Have you ever lost your identity? I mean, I'm not talking about, you know, your, your records getting hacked and losing your identity that way. Let me help you remember the moments that maybe you lost your identity. Let's go all the way back to freshman year of college. All right? Or that day that you went into the military. Or that time period after being in your parents' home and now you're on your own. And you're like, finally, I get to call my own shots. Right? Now, I know some of you, you were like angels. Right? You, you towed the line the whole way. You've, you've never looked to the right or to the left. I got that. But for, for the rest of us, there was a moment when you lost your identity. That moment when to be accepted, you, just, you decided you were going to hang out with another group of people that you normally wouldn't hang out with. That maybe some of you even started to change your own appearance. Some of you changed your own language, right? Some of you, you've moved to southern states where there's a, they've got that really cool slur or that whatever it's called, you know, that gets kind of tagged on. And all of a sudden you pick that up when you never had that before. You can lose your identity in all kinds of ways. Many times in your past when you've lost your identity, you've ended up doing things that you totally, what? Regret right? You look back at the moments that you regret, some of those moments are going to be moments when you lost your identity. And what is our statement that we use to justify it all? Oh, I just wasn't, I just wasn't myself then. I just wasn't, it just, that just, that wasn't me. That just wasn't me. Well, here at New Life, we, we don't have time. We can't afford to lose our DNA. We can't afford to waste our time in an identity crisis. We have a mission and a radical assignment from God to accomplish in our generation. It doesn't matter how old you are today. 
or how young you are listening to me. This is our moment. It's our generation. Christ has his hands on the reins of any healthy church, like New Life and many others in our community. We're putting our hands on the reins with him, and we're going, God, where do you want to lead us? Who do you want us to be? How do you want us to accomplish the mission? What is our DNA? What do we want to be known for in our generation before our day is done? And to help you understand what that is, I'm going to take this Sunday and next Sunday to really break it down. I first want to start with this point. We have to be attractive towards seekers. Part of the DNA of our church is that we cherish spiritual journey. We cherish the fact that your spiritual journey starts before you you confess that Jesus is your Lord and your leader. And there are people in this room right now that are seeking after God. They're seeking to find if Jesus is going to be their leader and their Lord. They're asking the difficult questions. They're reading through the Bible. They're attending church. They're going to probably show up in some of our life groups. They're going to show up in some of our Christian education classes. They're going to sit for a long time in our services soaking in. Is this place a place that authentically replicates Christ or are they not? And God's called us to be attractive towards seekers, meaning church isn't just for those who have their lives all put together. Church is is a place where we gather to put our lives together, attractive towards seekers. Look at what Colossians chapter 4 has to say about it. It says, live wisely among those who are not believers. Pay attention to that. Live wisely among those who are not believers. And make the what? Make the the most of every opportunity. Look what it continues to say. Let your conversations be what? Gracious and? Let your conversations be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. See, that's who God's called us to be. Here at New Life, part of our DNA is to be known for what we believe, not for what we're against. There's enough places that want to be known for what they're against. It doesn't really, it doesn't accomplish a lot in the end for the kingdom. When you're more known for what you stand for than what you're against, now you're talking about something that can be powerful. That's, that's a part of the way we try to be attractive. What's some other ways we try to be attractive towards the seeker or the outsider, or the person that's wondering, should I make Jesus the Lord and leader of my life? We strive not to be a judgmental place. We don't want to judge people. We want, I, want you to, I want you to never forget where you came from. I want you to always remember that you and me, Jeff Baker included, we're all sinners. Even to this day, inside of me, my heart has the ability to be wicked above all things, Scripture says. Uh, so you just need to know, I have to put my full faith and trust in Christ. I get tempted like you get tempted. I have to withstand temptation and stand up and put my faith and trust in Christ just like you do. None of us are, are holy in, in, in all ways. None of us have figured everything out. None of us is perfect, all right? We, we can't ever forget the fact that we, that we can't judge others. We have to love them where they're at, and we have to love them enough not to leave them there and love them in a way that we take them on a journey. We have to work hard at living Christ-centered lives outside of this facility. That that's what it means to be attractive, we can't just put on our Christianese clothes and put on our Christianese walk and put on our Christianese face and our Christianese language and come into church every Sunday and think we're going to change the world. No, we're going to be a part of God's kingdom changing the world when we truly are Christ-centered living on Monday at the workplace. 
at Tuesday in our neighborhoods, at Wednesday is whatever group we meet with. That, that's what it means to be attractive. That's what it means to call yourself a new lifer. We believe that, that you, you personally are the church, and this is just a building made of brick and mortar. We're super thankful for it, just like we're thankful for the, the facility out in North, uh, North Platte. Super thankful for it. Thankful for all the generations that have come before us that have made the financial investment and the spiritual sacrifice so we can have what we have. But in the end, this building doesn't save souls. Jesus saves souls. Jesus can use this building to transform lives, and I believe that he does. But in the end, who is the church? The building or you? See, it's you. Something that you've heard before, maybe. But it's got to be something that soaks in. We are the church individually carrying the spirit of Christ to our community. So what's the community looking at? They're looking at first you, then they're looking at us collectively. And they're gauging their barometer of, is that a healthy place or not a healthy place? Is that a place where I can walk through the doors and I can feel, uh, feel accepted right where I'm at so that I can start growing in my relationship with God? Or is that a place where I'm going to be rejected? And we're wise enough to know that man looks on the outward appearance of us. We want, we want to be known for what's inside of here. I know that. But man, man looks on our outward. God says that he looks on the inward. There's an Old Testament passage where a prophet named Samuel, Samuel was given the charge by God to find the next king after the first king of Israel, which is Saul, Samuel is given this responsibility to go to the home of Jesse, who has a number of sons, and to basically interview them to discern and to, and to hear God's spirit as to which one has God put his anointing on. The anointing was on David. Now, before, before Samuel sees David, he sees some of the other sons of Jesse. And some of these sons are confident. They're muscular. They're tall. You know, they're good, good-looking, well-spoken. And Samuel starts to think to himself, maybe one of these guys would make a great king. And then God says these words to him in 1 Samuel chapter 16. The Lord doesn't see things the way that you see them, Samuel. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. True. We know that we can't fool God by our actions. We can't, you know, be good to enough people for God to go, wow. Your heart's really good. No, God looks beyond your facade. He looks into your heart. That's where God's staring at. But man is looking very much so on the outside. It's one of the reasons why we strive for excellence in our worship service. It's so that when the outsider walks in, they experience something that makes sense to them. They experience something that's done well. They walk away with less distractions. They walk away with something that is relevant, that spoke to their lives. It's one of the reasons why we strive to try to keep our facility up to date. It just is. It's one of the reasons why you see things like lights and you know, cameras. It's the reason why you, you see things that are clean. It's the reason why you're sitting on cushion and not just hard wood. So you can, th- you can thank all of us for that, right? It's the reason why we strive to do that, because it's important. Man looks on the outside. Man looks there. It's one of the reasons why we challenge you to live a godly life, because man looks on the outside. And if we're out in our culture, out in our world, and we're putting on a, this facade, man sees that, and he goes, I don't want to have anything to do with that Jesus that you talk about or that, that church that you go to. Why? Because man looks on the outside. 
See, God knew this. Why do you think our earth, our earth has got some beautiful places on it? Just think of, think of the most beautiful place that you've been to on this earth for a moment. And what did it cause you to do? Didn't it cause you? Think of a place like this. If, you, if you're looking at a place like that or you're there yourself, these are the kinds of photos that cause me just to go, God, you are amazing in your creation. You, are, you blow my mind away. You are fantastic. Wow, man, you are so creative. You're majestic. You're powerful. There are times when I've hiked to the top of a mountain and turned on my iPod and just had music you know, playing in my ears of worship and just in awe of what God can do. What does it cause you to do? It causes your attention to go back to who? God. Yes. When I think about God's creation, I think about how incredible and awesome he is. I'm looking on the outside, but I'm starting to see his heart. That's why it's so important for us. So important for us to look and go, how am I living my life? How is the world seeing me? Because as they see me, over time, they're going to be able to see the Jesus living in me. And am I showing them a true reflection of Christ? So with that said, here's one of the things that we've got to strive for here at our church. We have to strive to maintain unity. Disunity is super unattractive to the world. When, when, all, when all the world hears is about our fighting with one another and our bickering with one another, how, how that just doesn't taste good in my mouth even. It doesn't even sound good in my ears. Why would I want to be a part of chaos? I can go be a part of chaos anywhere. I want to be a part of something that has health and unity. And that requires you and me to fight for that together. But there's another thing individually that we have to do. And that is we have to allow the Holy Spirit to point out the unattractive areas of our lives. Those areas that we are modeling to the world, this unattractive image of God this unattractive image of our sinful selves. We need, we need the Holy Spirit to show us those things so we can come to altars like this, which altars at New Life are for the who? The hungry. The hungry. The hungry who want to see their lives transformed by God. The hungry who want to grow closer to God. The hungry that can finally come to the, the place where they admit, God, you've shown me a place in my life that's unattractive. And I want to lay that down before you so that you can change me and make me into the man or the woman that you want me to be. And if we're striving that way, all of us together, we will change our communities that new life lives in. Be attractive to seekers. There's another part of our DNA, though, that's vitally important. And that is relevant teaching and real life. Relevant teaching and real life. We want to be a safe place for people to walk into so that they can begin their journey. We want to be a safe place for the hurting that know Christ, that can walk in and find a place to belong. You know what New Life has been known for over the years? And I've had it personally happen to me. It's been known, for, uh, it's been known uh, as a place like a hospital, that people that are broken in some manner, fashion, or form, that are wounded or that are hurt, have come in and they've found healing. They found healing in a few ways. One, they found healing by connecting with God. Two, they found healing as they connected with each other. And you know what's happened here at New Life? And I'm proud of this. And unfortunately, it's going to be something that happens in the future. Some church, some place in our community or one of our communities is going through a difficult time. And, and out of that comes some hurt. And those folks have found their way to New Life. 
And I've always instructed our staff like I was instructed when I was a staff member here. We're going to love them for as long as God has them here. And we want, if the moment comes when they go back to their church, we want to send them back more healthy than they ever were before. That's one of the ways God uses us. It's that unselfish, willing to give, even though you might not get anything else in return. That's an awesome church. That's creating a safe place for people to come into. That's real life. But there's also that relevant teaching piece where we want to make sure we're teaching God's word because we believe that all of God's word is something that can be uh, applicable to our lives and can be relevant to where we live right now. In fact, that's what 2 Timothy has to say. Take a look. It says, all scripture is inspired by who? God, right? And is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our own personal lives. It's it corrects us when we're, when we're wrong, and it teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to what? Prepare and equip his people to do every good work. That's what we believe. We believe that God's word brings correction to our lives. We don't believe God's word should be used as a baseball bat to beat people up with. We don't believe God's word should be preached in a way that makes people feel guilty, oppressed, depressed. We believe God's word is a guide for our life, like a lamp held out in front of you in the midst of darkness to show you what the next step of your life is and the next step that you need to take. We believe that God's word is practical and relevant and that we should be able to get something out of it every single Sunday that you can apply to your life and walk out of these doors and use immediately, immediately, It's one of my prayers every week preparing for Sunday. God, would you speak to each person individually? Because I know that you've got something for every person that's coming today. Sometimes it's things that I say. Sometimes it's things that the Holy Spirit speaks directly to you. That's awesome. Find that truth, apply it to your life, walk out of the doors and utilize it. It'll transform you. It will start recoding your, your human DNA to look more like Christ. That will be an amazing miracle that takes place. Amen? Right on. But the other thing we believe about God's word is this. Every word in it is inspired by God. Every word. And that every word is useful for preaching and teaching. One of the ways that I take relevant teaching and make it a safe place is by opening up my own heart and the own, uh, you know, exposing my own life. Just kind of talking to you real about the struggles I go through talking to you real about some of the pain that I've had. And I know that that makes a difference because whenever I share that way, I hear so many people come up to me and say to me, that was the best sermon I've ever heard in my life. And I know, as a matter of fact, it wasn't. The part that really stood out was the realness. And I want to be that. I want to be that kind of a person. And I want our staff, as they preach, to be those types of people before you. It's that type of openness, that being transparent is humanly possible. You know, anybody that goes, we're a transparent church. Well, I, I know, but to an extent, right? Yeah, we want to be transparent as humanly possible as the Holy Spirit would lead and guide us because I know that that helps to make a safe place. I also know that it helps to bring teaching very relevant to your lives. We don't want to be a fake, hollow, plastic Christianity. I don't see anybody on the internet searching for a church going, hey, uh, churches in Kearney, uh, fake, uh, hollow, plastic. No one's doing that. People are looking for real, authentic, right? 
I mean, you don't want to walk in here and find your, your greatest disappointment like you had when you were a kid on Easter when your parents gave you that chocolate Easter bunny and it was the hollow version. Who likes that? You're like, oh, chocolate. And you pick it up. It's like, it's light as air. And then you squeeze it and cracks. Boring. We don't want our church to be the hollow chocolate Easter bunny, right, of our community. We want our church to be like the solid chocolate one where it just keeps giving and giving and giving. Where it puts a smile on your face. Where it makes you go, wow, now that's good. Not some fake plastic facade, the shell of Christianity. We want to be full of Christ. I guarantee you, you'll remember that one today. But isn't that so true? That's the kind of place that God called us to be. And the beauty of new life is that we are a melting pot that we've all melded together to, to be a part of this thing that God's calling new life. Some of us come from Lutheran backgrounds, Methodist backgrounds, uh, Catholic backgrounds, Nazarene, Baptist, Pentecostal. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. It's amazing the melting pot that's in our church that God's brought together. So our goal is not to convert people from one of those names to our name. That's not our goal. If that's our goal, I'm not your pastor. Our goal is to help people, no matter what that title was they came with, know Jesus and let their lives be transformed by Jesus and let their life act and look more like Jesus. Let them believe, think, Love, show compassion, gentleness, kindness, and patience, more like Jesus. That's our ultimate goal. So that's why we have the relevant teaching. That's why we want it to be a safe place. So I'm going to ask you today, help me protect the unity of our church. Let me give you a couple quick things you could do. Shut down gossip right where it starts. Don't entertain those kinds of things. We don't have a problem like that around our church that I'm aware of. I don't get those kind of reports, but I'm just telling you, we have to protect what God's given us. And we don't want to reproduce something unhealthy. If someone's gossiping to you, shut it down. If someone's got some gossip complaint to you and they're just like trying to stir it all up, deal with it. You know the best way to deal with it is? I know somebody that can help you. Who is it? It's the person you're complaining about. Let's go. I'll take you to them right now if you want me to. When, I have, when, when I've had some people complain to me, not when they just share a concern, but when I, some people have complained to me and I say to them, I know how to fix this. Really? Wow, that's why I came to you, Pastor. Came to you because I know how to fix it. Yeah. Well, the way we're going to fix this is we're going to go talk to them. Well, I, I hope you do go talk to them, Pastor. Uh, no, I don't think you heard me right. Like, we are going to go talk to them. Oh, I don't want to do that. Well, then just shut your mouth and stop complaining. So now, that, there's no need for clap. You clap on the inside. <laughs> That's something that we all have to do together. Why? Because we want to maintain an attractive, healthy church for our community. That's important for us, all right? That's something that we're striving for. Remember, what, what is, what's one of our big mottos here? To love you where you're at, but to love you enough that we won't leave you there. We'll love you the way you walk in. We'll love you right where you're at. We'll love you when you stumble and you fall flat on your face. But we want to be a church that loves you enough not to leave you there. We do that through relevant teaching and by creating a real atmosphere.
Third thing, very quickly, is that we want to be one church in multiple locations. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 gives us this directive. It says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Spirit. We believe at New Life that the apex, the ultimate uh, disciple-making model, if you will, is healthy churches planting healthy churches. Why? Well, not only are we creating another entity that's allowing us to exponentially reach more people, we're reaching people in North Platte where otherwise we never would. So we are growing the kingdom that way. And by the way, when we plant churches, we're not going after people from other churches. We're going after people that have no church affiliation at all. That's how we want to grow new life as well. We know people are going to come from other churches. That's okay. Not stopping that. But my ultimate goal is to reach the the lost, to reach the unsaved, to reach the seeker right now. That's our ultimate goal. And to train them up into the people God wants them to be. And when you plant a church, guess what happens? It creates a vacuum of discipleship. It creates this vacuum where it pulls people out of the crevices, out of the pews, you know, out of just kind of going through the motions, and it puts them into ministry. It, de- it demands that we have more life group leaders. It demands that we have more worship team members. It demands that we have more tech people. It demands that we have more greeters. It, it just has a greater demand where it's pulling people. And we've literally seen, as we've planted this church in North Platte, some of you have come right out of the pews where you were sitting, you're wonderful, incredible people, and now you're actually involved in ministry. I think that's a win and a victory. That's why I'm so excited about planting this church today. Because I know the long-term ramifications is it causes this vacuum that pulls people up and it helps us have a purpose for making people more like Christ. We are becoming more outreach and missions oriented. We've always been an outreach, missions-driven kind of a church, but we're getting more strategic with it, more specific with it. You're going to hear more um, missions trips that are going to be offered. You're going to hear more local outreach that's happening in Kearney and our other sites as God allows us to plant them. We believe that we are better together than we are alone. We believe that we stand shoulder to shoulder, arm to arm, that when we planted things like the venue, there's people that are worshiping with us down in the venue. They've never attended uh, worship service at, uh, at New Life in this main auditorium. That's all they know. They are, they're down in our gym right now. They've walked through the doors. That's where they're worshiping, and they've never worshiped anywhere else. That's exciting to me, right? There's people out in North Platte. But when we team up together, we're going to link arm to arm. There's things that we can do that are exponential together than we could if we were alone. And that's what Ecclesiastes chapter 4 has to say. It says that a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and what? Conquer. And three are even better. For a triple-braided cord is not easily broken. I mean, when you take rope and you have one piece of rope, one strand of rope, it can only hold so much weight. But when you start, you know, braiding three pieces of rope together, it becomes exponential. And that's what God wants to do with our church. Part of our DNA is to be one church in multiple locations so that we can bear more weight. We can make a greater impact in the world together. We can harvest our resources from each location and use the best of what we have to make the greatest impact on the world around us. We can just flat accomplish more when we're in unity working together. So new life is continuing to grow, and it will continue to, to do that. And it's going to grow, it's going to continue to grow large, not because we're about growing large, but because there's a world that needs Jesus. And we're going to keep trying to be that church that gives this world the answer and challenges them to follow Jesus. As, this, as new life continues to grow, we have to strive to, com- be, to become small. So one of the ways we become small is we plant a church and we send some of you out to go do that. 
That's one way. Another way is we have life groups. And I want to encourage you, be a part of a life group. Jump into a life group. Meet in a home someplace. If you want to know what life groups we have available, go to our brand new website, mynewlifechurch.com. Mynewlifechurch.com. Go there, click on life groups. You can search for life groups. I mean, you can, you can click the button and see the pins drop on the map, and they're all over the place. You can even go in there at mynewlifechurch.com and, and go, I want to find, uh, do an advanced search. I want to find women's groups that meet on Wednesday that have child care. And you can hit the button and up comes three groups or whatever. You can search for, you know, groups that meet on Tuesday. They're men's groups. They meet on Tuesday and they play golf together. And you can hit the search and up will come no groups. So there's all kinds of... <laughs> All kinds of searches that you can do, right? You can put in all kinds of ideas and uh, criteria, and you can find the group that meets your needs. But get involved in a group because as our church continues to grow, if you're not in a group, you're going to miss out on some of the best that we have. The last thing that you can do, though, is volunteer for ministry. This whole concept of churches that 20% of the people do 80% of the work is foolish. 20% of the people doing 80% of the work is selfish. 20% of the people doing 80% of the work is not our DNA. So if you call yourself a new lifer, my challenge to you today is this. What ministry are you involved with? What ministry do you need to volunteer for? Because we will be better when we share our gifts together. And some of you have got some amazing gifts that are sitting on the shelf that God's wanting to use for his kingdom. And I'm asking you, dust them off, pull them out, find a way to be involved. If it's children's ministry, walk down there. Talk to Pastor Eric and get yourself plugged in. If it's youth ministry, talk to Pastor Ed, Pastor Nate, get plugged in. If it's our worship teams, come talk to my wife. I mean, if you don't know where to go, go out to our information center. They'll be more than happy to direct you. If you really don't know where to go, go to our website and email me. I can deal with all of your excuses and help you get down to the one that you need to be a part of. I'm an expert at that. I can, ha- I can hack all of your questions. I can tackle them. And I can help you get where you need to be so that you can be utilized for God's kingdom. Because we're at one church in multiple locations. We really are better together. And as we wrap up today, I need to let you know something. One of the, the pieces that is a, is a strong foundational stone, it's almost like a cornerstone of who we are is that we're a people that strive to be obedient and listen to God's spirit above the trends of man, above the latest book that's been written, you know, um, above above the the latest thing that's popular, uh, above how you feel emotionally, above what your mind is just thinking, and, you know, above your own will and what you think is the right thing to do. We strive to be people that listen to God's spirit. You'll often hear a new lifer in leadership asking someone else, what do you really sense God's spirit is saying to you? I know what your mind's saying. I know what your emotions are saying, but what is God's spirit saying to you? And one of the core pieces that keeps us healthy is that we, we remind ourselves that left to our own demise, we, we rapidly fall apart. But left to the obedience of God's spirit, God maintains the health. God continues to grow us. I want to challenge you today. What is God's spirit saying to you? God's spirit might be saying to you, there's this unattractive area of your life. I want to get at that. Will you let me get at that while you're here this morning? God's spirit might be saying to you, hey, I've been trying to draw you closer to me. 
I mean, you've drifted from me. Your prayer life with me has drifted. Your passion and worship has drifted. Your, your excitement to share your faith has drifted. I want to I pull you close to me. So our altars, our altars are for people that are just going, I know that there's an unattractive area of my life. God, I want to look more like you, sound more like you, behave more like you. But God, I also know that maybe I'm distant from you and I want to be close to you. So our altars are for the hungry that are going, God, I, want to, I just want to get close to you again. I want to feel your heartbeat again. I want to know your spirit speaking to me. I want your word to come alive again in me. I want my prayer life to be vibrant and alive again. God's spirit might also be saying to you, which is one of our core DNA values every single week, God's spirit might be saying that he wants to be your Lord and he wants to be your leader today. You might be here today and you're seeking God. You're outside of a relationship with God. God's knocking on your heart today. I guarantee you he is. And he's trying to say to you, let me be your leader. Let me be your Lord. Surrender your life to me. So what is our move in this room today as part of being here at New Life and what God is doing in our midst? Your ultimate response today is one of obedience and one of surrender. That's what God's looking for out of all of us, guaranteed. Today, God just wants simple obedience. Will you worship me with passion, regardless of how you feel? Will you draw close to me? Will you surrender whatever it is that's separating you from me? Will you surrender that unattractive peace? God's knocking on your heart door and he's asking you, will you be simply obey and will you simply surrender? That's your move today. Our worship teams are gonna come. I'm gonna pray in just a moment. And when our worship teams lead us, I want you to utilize altars like this for the hungry who wanna be more like Christ. I want us to utilize altars like this to pray over the unity of our church to pray over the DNA of our church that God would make us, continue to make us attractive so that the world might know that Jesus is alive and that we would be known as a church that helps people in their spiritual journey come out of darkness into life and that those come into life would go on to produce more life. Let's be a church that continues to reproduce our DNA beyond planting churches into one another's lives. Why don't you stand with me and let's pray. Father, As we are here in your presence, we're thankful that you are the senior pastor of our church. That Jesus, by your spirit, you have become the senior pastor of our church. We might have other titles. We might have other other roles that we play, but we know this. When we listen to you and we follow you, we take our marching orders from you. We take the obedience of our lives and we line it up to your word. When our hearts are hungry to hear your spirit over our own mind and our own will and our own agenda, when we do that, God, we maintain health. We preserve the DNA that you've called us, Lord, to replicate, reproduce, and grow and protect. May you find us faithful people, faithful people walking out the marching orders that you've given to us. That's all that we're going to be responsible for. We're not responsible for someone else's marching orders, only ours. Thank you for the generations past that have caused this church to be the type of church that it is. And now, in this day and age, in our generation, in our moment, may may our legacy be one that we carried on your DNA and we accomplished your mission in our day until the day we stand before you in eternity. May we fight the good fight. May we run the good race. And may we be found guilty of being a Christ follower. 
So Lord, we love you. We cherish you. We ask you to speak to us over these next few moments. Humble our hearts to a place of obedience and to surrender. In Jesus' name, amen.